Hello, Internet. I'm John Lucas. I'm Derek Silver. And Leon. And this is the ESC Insight Podcast. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. I am John Lucas, doing my best Ewan Spence impersonation today as I headline the daily ESC Insight podcast direct from Turin. Turino, however you decide to, whatever you like to call it, we are here, we're in the press centre and we are watching the second set of rehearsals for the Eurovision Song Contest. We have just seen the end of the first semi-finals and a third whack of the second semi-finals as well. But before we get to all that, let's talk Turin. So, how are you guys finding the city so far? The city? The city oh, how have you um, found your experience in Turin itself? Well, the city itself is kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Um, not very different from the rest of Italy places I visited. Um, it's a cool city. Very open. and but. It's kind of a bummer that it's raining. Yeah, it's rained so much. This is not the Italy I was at that was advertised to me. I was not expecting this much rain. I know, I know. I remember when the Eurovision was at my place like three years ago. Oh yes, of course, in, t- in beautiful Tel Aviv. In yes. beautiful Tel Aviv. I live 10 minutes no, walk no from the there. arena. No, no rain in Tel Aviv when I was Oh, we, were, we went to the beach. Mm. Everything was sunny and hot and fun. No coats. Great, 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 and even even today, even today, I was came in the press center soaking wet. I took my phone out and I saw a picture of my boyfriend at the beach in Tel Aviv and said, "Oh my God, (laughs) I could kill you if I was next to you." Do you get much rain where you are, Derek? Uh, yeah. We were still getting snow until like a few weeks ago. Oh, so I guess anything's so, cool on that. This, yeah, this is balmy for me. I can handle this. Well, I guess if the UK do win this year and we, and we go to England next year, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying but if it does, <laughs> we've had a little bit of preparation. We, we've, we've had a rainy city, so. But other than that, I do think Trin is a beautiful city. It's uh, uh, I've had a great time exploring while I've been here. Have you uh, had much time to get around? or? Uh, yeah, I got here early, so I had a few days to knock around. I uh, went to a few museums. Uh, it, it's really cool. It's a lot different than some other cities. I, I was talking to someone, Roy, mm-hmm. and he mentioned that most of the city was destroyed in World War II, so a lot of the buildings are newer. Mm-hmm. And if you've been to like Rome or Florence, it's like, oh, this, this building's a thousand years old. And come here, it's like, this building's 50 years old. <laughs> and you can just kind of notice the more modern architecture, but it still has that Italian aesthetic that you're used to. Yeah, it does feel that way. I did notice, actually, you're right, it does feel like a slightly younger city. Like, it's quite studenty kind of city in, in a way. I'm not sure that's actually what it is in terms of the demographic, but it, it definitely has that vibe for me from walking around it. Like, like you say, it's a very different vibe from, from Rome, where we, we could have but obviously the Italians went in a different direction. <laughs> I did actually get an opportunity to have a, a little s- slice of the, the real old Italy and it's, when I went to visit its neighbours in San Marino, mm. which actually is not Italy at all, of course, their own country, but um, yeah, watch yourself. The, the Italian the Italian feel, if you want to feel like old school Italy or old school this part of Europe, then San Marino is the place to be. Mm. It's, uh, it's beautiful. The, it was like a mountain. It was like being in Game of Thrones. It was like a fortress built into a mountain and People say you can only, it's like you can do San Marino in a day. I spent a week 
weekend and I could have spent longer, honestly. It was, wow. There's so much to do there. Like, you can climb up the towers. They have like five different museums. Some very strange museums in San Marino as well. They've got like the, your standard issue, you've got your Museum of the State, which is all about the history of San Marino. You've got your art galleries and all that. But then you've got, then you've got the Museum of Curiosities, which is all like, like freak show stuff from around the world kind of stuff. <laughs> It is, it's like world's fattest man. And did you see the picture of me? I, I mean, I did. You had your own wing. You had your own wing in the museum. Oh, good. So good. It, it's freaky. Yeah, all good things though. But uh, yeah, like bearded ladies, it's all that kind of vibe. Um, yeah, not very... We had a bearded lady in the original. Yeah, there was no Conchita, no. But um, yeah, it was, it was interesting. They had the Museum of Torture. Which Always like, a favourite. Yeah. Like, just, oh, did you see the picture of me there too? You, yeah, you, again, <laughs> you had, like, your own wing there. Yeah. You get around You now. seem to be having a very good time, yeah. Uh, and um, the Museum of Vampires, again, which you had your own wings, so... No, that's my mother. That's your mother, uh, okay, yeah. Vampires and werewolves, so... Did you go into the Museum of Vampires? I saw that photo. I did, yes. Ooh, what yeah, was that like? It was, like, it was strange. It was good, it was really entertaining. They have, like, hmm. they have, like, these projections on the walls that are, like, of, like, little girls with, like, their eyes are following you around the room. It's, like, it's really creepy. So... Effective uh, marketing. It was very effective, yeah. So, yeah, I think San Marino is secretly, like, Italy's, like, little goth cousin that they don't talk about very much. I mean, remember that? I will say that, like, I know he's not technically from San Marino, but Achille Laro's whole kind of vibe made a lot more sense after I'd been to San Marino. I was like, this is kind of on brand for you, actually, now that I've realised that you've got all this, this slightly dark side. It's a strange weirdo part of the family. Yeah. In, in, but now I want to go there. How far is it from here? So to get to San Marino, you need to get... I got the coach, the train, sorry. I got the train to Rimini, which is the nearest city, the nearest Italian city. And then there's a shuttle bus from Rimini up to San Marino about every hour and a half. And Rimini from Turin is how long? How about far? three hours. Three so, hours? Yeah. So Next that, time I'm in Italy, I'm not doing this. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> that's why I took a weekend, because it's, you can't really do a day trip from Turin, unfortunately. But uh, it's, it's very much worth the effort. Um, the views are the best I've ever seen anywhere in the world. Just, it's like looking over, you can see the entirety of Italy. It's just beautiful because it's right up in the mountains. And um, because I stayed the night as well, most tourists do just go to San Marino for the day. Um, but if you actually do wait the night, then it's, it's like a ghost town. It's dead, like there's nobody. I walked the streets of San Marino and didn't see a soul for like an hour. And it's a real oldie worldy kind of place as well. So you really do feel that medieval like, Again, the vampire thing. Vampires, like locked inside. You suddenly understand why they're so obsessed with vampires. So that's San Marino. And, uh, so, uh, did you stay in like an Airbnb or bed and breakfast? No, I actually stayed in a hotel. It was called okay. the Hotel La Grotta. It was right in, I, would, I would definitely recommend staying in Central, in, in the old town. It's called Sicilia de San Marino. It's the old, that's the right in the mountains where it's all medieval walled fortress vibe. There are some smaller towns surrounding, including Degana, and I think Bujorio de Maggio. I probably butchered that pronunciation. Um, there are hotels there as well, but there's not as much to do there, and it's kind of hard to get up the mountain. It's not very walkable. So I would say if you do go, make sure you stay in the old town, not in the surrounding areas, because you, you really get the best of it if you're in that that part of it. So, so yeah, no, that's my plug for San Marino, the way, but it's um, definitely highly recommended. Um, and there'll be an article here ASCN site shortly about all of that. So many questions yet. Indeed, yeah, so many, so many, there's so much more to talk about with San Marino, but uh, yeah, but we're here in Italy. Um, we've been watching the rehearsals, obviously. What's your feeling been so far? Well, uh, I'm really, really surprised from uh, Israel mm -hmm. because I know the song is weak and I don't even like it, but uh, um, Michael is a wonderful performer mm -hmm. and his, his vocals are 
one of the best in this competition. Um, so I think even though uh, uh, the betting odds are against us, I say us because I'm from Israel, um, I think he could, he could do it. He could qualify on Saturday. I can see that happening. Yeah, I agree. He was. Um, I, I'm also not a huge fan of the song, but he certainly elevates it. He is so enthusiastic and fantastic. Israel always serves great vocals and really strong choreography. You, you always get that energy from Israel. That's I find. You always have that. You know, except when you send balance, but that's, <laughs> thankfully that's not very often. But when you've got an up-tempo Israeli song, you know you're going to get some dance moves, and he's definitely serving the choreography. Yeah, even uh, I think that the fact that he was uh, he's graduated from act, acting school. Oh, really? Yeah, so it kind of helped him to do that. So he's a theatre kid. That explains everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's a theatre kid. His musical, musical. theatre background is really, yeah. really helping him out. Like you really see. Yeah, it in he's he does. more suitable for Broadway than. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it feels almost Broadway in a way. Like, and especially with like if you go to his press conference, he talked about a lot of musicals that influenced him. And it's kind of inspiring him. Well, he's definitely one of the contestants who's living his dream. I always like to see a contestant who's clearly a Eurovision fan first and is like living their Eurovision fantasy. I think he's doing that. I think Sheldon's doing that in Australia as well, certainly. So it's nice to see. I, I hope he does make it through to the final. Because, uh, yeah, we don't like to see people get their hearts broken when it means so much to them. And you know, even the whole acting part of the, the, the yay and the, the glittering and, and everything, He's so humble, he's so modest, and he, he's so nice, he's so reachable. Mm. I, I, I think he, he's the most reachable um, representative of Israel ever. Really? Yeah, and uh, I, I, wrote it, I wrote it on Facebook also that Israel uh, can be very, very proud of its representative this year, never mind what the results are going to be. That's absolutely true, yeah. Am I right in thinking he wasn't um, well known before this? He's, he's kind of a new celebrity. <laughs> no one heard of him before. Okay, so yeah. yeah. He kind of just graduated, didn't he? He graduated about uh, last year, yeah. what he said, and with all the COVID stuff, he just kind of stayed home. He stayed home yeah. and worked in the supermarket and stuff. He used to be uh, working in a, in a club while he was a singing waiter. Mm -hmm. And I know that kind of job because I worked there at the same place oh, really? <laughs> many, many years before him. And so we had a little gossip on the bus. It was kind of nice. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's actually living the dream. You know, I know that dream. I dream it. Also, you know, I was, uh, I even took part in the Israeli pre selection uh, um, nine years ago. Oh, as really? A, yeah. Uh, as a, um, a backup vocalist. Okay. And it was a nice experience, but we lost. So we didn't go to Malmo. You know, my team didn't, I did. But <laughs> you made it happen anyway. So. Yeah, I made it happen anyway, but not to the stage. Sure, yeah. Um, he's living the dream. You can really tell, you can really tell. I think his, his personality is absolutely pushing everything through for Israel, and I think it will do you, do you justice. And you're right. You know, as long as the performance is done well, even if you don't qualify, you can still hold your head up high and be very proud. So. Yes, yes, I know, but I'm afraid that if we will not qualify, then we'll, he will be in a big problem because I think um, when you come to Eurovision and it's your first song ever, mm. 
and it fails yeah. and you don't have a career to go back to uh, a career that people knows and love you then it's very very hard to hard to go on and you know like we had uh, we, we failed with uh, Leonardis, we failed with Sarit Haddad, we failed with uh, Tipex, we mm. failed um, um, with Davidol. Uh, all of them had a great career and many many years of experience and audience that the failure didn't affect them. Sure. Unlike like Tal Sonda, who knows who is. I say that was another yeah. example of somebody who wasn't didn't have a back a career already established in Israel. Yeah, that's the thing I said. On the other hand, like Shiri Maimon, mm-hmm. if she would have failed, that was also her first single. Ah, but of course she didn't. Yes, she didn't. So she could go on with the show and be the strong singer she is. But if she would have failed, I don't think she would be that. For sure, yeah. It's interesting to think about um, the artist's experience and the fear of failure because this year there's been quite a lot of criticism the artists have been facing, which they get all the all the time. Every year, I think artists have to get criticism from the press, but also from the internet. Um, we've seen over the last couple of days some of the artists have been quite upset by the comments that have come through from Twitter, for example, uh, with Renella in Albania. Her comments was. People, some people on Twitter didn't, weren't pleased with the way it looked and the way it was staged and they kind of made their feelings known on the internet of course and she, she's somebody who really reads all the comments and she's now tweeted The out. problem is not the Eurovision, the problem is the humanity now Yeah. because you know it's very, people are very easy behind uh, uh, the computer, behind <laughs> the screen yeah, and they are, can't get punched in the face as a result yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and not just about Eurovision but everything about politics, about disagreements with anything, you know, and, and the humanity came becoming bullying more and more every year. And uh, uh, this is a dark time for, for, for us. It's true, but just purely in terms of these Eurovision artists that are having to read these comments, is there anything that do you think that the Eurovision organizers? can do to protect them more or is it just a case of them having to realize that this is the way the world works now i think they have to like quarantine themselves from these kinds of things and just have someone else do that for them which is a huge ask because i've seen a lot of artists be very social media savvy and active on twitter active on TikTok, Instagram, what have you. And that's part of the job now. You have to be online all the time. And that's why Sam Ryder is here. Yeah. Because he was able to do that and, you know, understand those comments exist. Mm. I I don't know what to tell them because you can't cut yourself off from that, but you're taking in negative negativity all day long. It's gonna break you down. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's really important for them. They shouldn't have to do this. It's terrible that subject to all of this, especially when it crosses the line from valid criticism into just abuse and being cruel. Mm-hmm. Um, but even the, even the valid criticism, if you don't like the way Renella has stated her show, I think there's nothing wrong with saying that if you say it in a respectful way, which you are. I feel like certain artists like her, for example, seem to be letting it get into their heads and under their skin more than others. And I think Sam Ryder will hopefully be in a position to not so upset if that happens to him because as you say he's very savvy on these social networks which means that he's used to I would imagine filtering out the negativity and putting it into its right context um, but it must be so difficult if you are 
in the process of creating, as an artist, creating your show and creating what you're going to give to the world, and if you're also taking on all of this negative feedback, it can make you second guess yourself and really that's the last thing you want to do you need to believe in what you're selling and it, it, it did worry me when Renella was saying today on, on social media that she felt like she'd lost faith in her own product and um, that's really sad and I, I think that can only hurt her as a performer if she allows these negativities to actually change the way that she is on stage because the way she is on stage is a very powerful performance so. and we've seen artists do that before where they Indeed. start to question their work and exactly it's a strange thing though because she's projected to qualify and Albania has a pretty good record especially yeah, with songs like ethnic songs like this I feel like this would qualify fairly comfortably coming into the contest I felt that way mm -hmm. and to see her second guess herself I kind of feel like well you're setting yourself up for failure at this point. I mean, she might project that onto others, but now I'm worried, like, well, should we start writing this one off then? Who's going to take her place? Exactly, yeah. You're right, I wouldn't, even though she's had a, some, some bad critiques and she's obviously been hurt by it, I, I don't think she's doomed to failure. I think she still has a chance to qualify. She's a very... Everyone has a chance. Everyone has a chance to yeah. qualify, of course. I think one of the things that they're doing at the moment to try and protect the artists a little bit, and also I think because of coronavirus, is that obviously we are not now privy to the first set of rehearsals. Those are closed. The artists are doing those behind closed doors. It's not being live streamed. There's no, we're not sat in the press centre watching that happen and reacting live. All we get is a live blog from the Eurovision website, which is obviously going to be very neutral and very positive. And uh, we get a few photos and that's it. How do you feel like that's working so far? If it's working so far. I, I, I think it's not because of COVID. You think it's more of a... It's not because of COVID, because, you know, if we were in, if we could able to go to the arena and sit in the audience and see the rehearsal, it still would be very far from them and they would be safe. Yeah, sure. I think uh, the EBU is trying to minimize the effect of the rehearsals on the betting points. Right. This is, I feel like this has come up before in previous years where there was a question as to whether or not we should see those first rehearsals because they're usually pretty rough. Yeah. They've never been on the stage before. They're learning where the cameras are at. They're learning how the lighting's going to work and their movements. And oftentimes they kind of go wrong. They have technical issues. And, and that's all fine. That's all understandable. But it kind of starts rumors and it gets negative press around it. And it should be to be allowed. I was kind of, last year I would have said, well, maybe we shouldn't see them. Maybe they should have these this time to themselves to kind of figure it out. And then when we see the second rehearsals, it's a bit more polished. They're more comfortable, but I feel like we're missing a lot. And it's kind of a shame. We also didn't get to go to the meet and greets. Yeah. Which was disappointing. And we only get one shot to meet them. That's true, because like, that aspect of the, the meeting the press side of things is it's always quieter in the first week, of course, because the international press doesn't tend to gather until week two. But now it's just, it's all very remote, and it does feel like something's been lost there. In terms of watching the rehearsals themselves, I'm not, I'm not too disappointed not to be able to see them, because I feel like you can watch the same performance only so many times that it does. You know, <laughs> we all felt that when we've been here for the full two weeks. After a certain point, you kind of lose the ball to live a little bit when you see the same performance eight times in a row. That doesn't bother me too much. I do think that if they were trying to do it to protect the artists, it's 
there's still some work to be done because as we have seen, I think it's I think probably it's a perfect storm of generally, as you say, the internet being quite an increasingly um, difficult place because people can be very poor on the internet, but also because there's been the issues with the staging this year as well. I mean, we've, um, we haven't talked yet about the fact that the the double-sided stage prop, there was going to be one side lighting and the other side was going to be an LED stage, it was not going to be able to turn around in time. So now the LED stage is, 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 is not going to be used, it seems, um, which means a lot of the artists are having to rework mm. their stage concepts, basically, on, on a very short notice. Um, so the fact that we haven't seen those rehearsals and there's an element of mystery around that, I think that has brought up a lot more online chatter. I've seen a lot on Twitter and you know, on TikTok and, and on, on Instagram as well. People really, and when I say people, I mean like the fans online, <laughs> getting very riled about it and kind of projecting that anger and that confusion onto the artists a little bit more. So I think maybe if they are going to close the rehearsals, they need to find a way to mitigate that to make it so again to stop. Well, you can't control the internet. You can't control people yeah. going to say on Twitter. But, um, yeah, if, if they were hoping to lower the stress levels of the participating artists, they've got a long way to go because it doesn't seem like that's what's happening. Yeah, and if you lock everything away in a mystery box, mm. it's just going to make people speculate more. It's more compelling. And yeah. it, uh, I mean, that could, and that of course might lead to more negativity as well. Like, mm. oh, what are they hiding? Exactly. What terrible things? And then you know, stuff is going to leak out. Mm. Like, oh, they can't turn the stage around. Oh, these props are they can't. Like, was Moldova was going to have a train on stage, and they were told, no, we can't get it out there. Yeah. And, and suddenly you start thinking, well, now their now presentation's been ruined, mm. and it's kind of this vicious cycle of things until we actually do see it. Yeah, and the the EBU and the Italian broadcaster they were quite slow to respond to when the issue with the stage started spreading through the internet, they didn't get on it very quickly. They, it took them a while to put a press release and it, I think this, it's still quite opaque what actually is going on and what went wrong. Mm. And I think that has fueled a lot of that speculation and that has caused you know, backlash towards the artists, towards the broadcaster, towards the organisers, towards the stage designer herself I believe has received quite a lot of, of abuse for it, which is, you know, there has to be a better way of managing that aspect of things. So I think that is something that the closed rehearsals might have contributed somewhat negatively towards, but mm. in principle, I don't mind not seeing them. If it's if it creates a more safe space for the artists, I'm, I'm, I'm always in favour of that because I have in the past as well seen artists who come into that first rehearsal, something's gone wrong, and then it's got into, into their heads and it's kind of caused them to not be able to really bounce back. I remember in 2015, the Netherlands trade show, when she came on wearing a, 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 the dress, the infamous the dress. trade dress, yeah, and it was immediately apparent that it hadn't gone down well. And if she'd been able to rehearse privately and then look at the rehearsal footage, she might have come to her own conclusion and thought, actually, we need to change this. We need, and it might, but because the press were there and it, there was an immediate backlash, against that and she had to answer so many questions about why what is this dress why are you wearing this dress you know and i could i was there i could see that she was getting rattled by it and it was making her feel insecure and consequently that performance never came together yeah. and so i think that that always comes to mind when i think of whether a closed rehearsal might be healthy and i think in that respect it can be but there is a balancing out between not creating more drama or crime and I think regardless, the main thing is, and I shouldn't say this too loudly, but the EBU has to control the narrative. Sure. They're not, um, they're not on top of things the way they need to be, and that just kind of causes this free-for-all. Exactly. And, you know, it's a, and I think about that too, those, the, the questions they get and just the repetition of it, it, it breaks people down. Um, but I think of, like, 
Blanche and her song, Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Um, City Lights. City Lights, yes. Blanche and City Lights, yeah. They should have called it Danger Zone. But she, she had such a hard time. Mm. And, I mean, they even, like, turned off the monitors. So we couldn't even, like... We couldn't even really watch the rehearsals for part of it because she was having such a difficult time. But she was able to come back from that. Yes, it's like the, the, some, some artists can do that. Some, some mm. artists, they come in and it starts rough and then they, they really build momentum and that felt like what happened to her. She peaked at the right moment. Yeah. Other ones get in their head and it can send you off the rails. And I think we're going to probably see examples of both of that this year. We'll see people who start people who have already seen people who start with some challenges some are going to rise to it and some aren't and I guess that is one of the many tests of Eurovision yeah it's and a she, challenging thing to be part of she was an interesting case though too because I felt like the, the press kind of rallied around her she because she was so of, young she was so young she got a lot of support and I'm worried that other artists who are a bit older yeah. a bit more established are just going to get pounced on and they're just Number one, they're not going to be as confident in, in their product, and then two, they're getting just this intense negativity. Yeah. It's. And as I recall, Blanche wasn't online, like, fighting against the haters, so to speak. You know, mm. she, she was having a hard time herself, and I think that made it easier for people to rally around her, but also it meant that it didn't spread out the way it has with some of the artists this year when they're kind of clapping back almost. And you know, they have true. a right to reply if people are criticizing them, but it can sometimes have the effect of fueling that flame, which is, uh, yeah, again, we we're definitely seeing that this year, unfortunately. It's something, it's something we all are still learning. Like it's, exactly. it's this process we're never going to really figure out until yeah. it's too late. The problem is, you know, if, when you come to a place like this, like the Eurovision Song Contest, and uh, you are performing on a big stage, you need to know that you are open for criticism. And if you're not fully sure about what you're doing, then you're, you're, you have a problem. You need to come and feel comfortable with what you have. That's a big ask, though, for some people. It's true, but you have to. I, I think so. It, but yeah, 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 of course. But if you're not that kind of man, yeah, don't work in the show business. Ewan had a great interview with um, Robin Bankston. Sweden, Sweden, 2017, yeah, yeah. I can't go on. And uh, Robin said something that was really interesting to me. It's like, you're going to get criticism no matter what. And if you can't take it, then don't put your stuff out there. Yeah. And it's, it's a very kind of cold, matter of fact It's a very Swedish thing. Process, yeah. yeah. But when he, the way he says it is like, I mean, you, that's true, though. Like, there's no protecting yourself from vulnerability if you're doing that. And it, you can either accept it or you can't. And I... That's a hard thing to say, and I don't want to say that to people because I don't want to live in a world where viciousness is just run rampant. But. You need to believe in what you're doing. You do. Yeah. yeah. If, if, if you not believe in, in 100% of what you're doing, then the criticism will kill you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You have to believe in it. I, I saw a comment from Marius from Switzerland saying he, he said to some to a press some he said to a journalist somewhere that he expected to be in the top ten. He said, I, I think I'm gonna be in the top ten. I think I'll get top ten celebrate top ten jury. And a lot of people said, Wow, that's so arrogant. How how can you say that? And I was like, if he doesn't believe that, he shouldn't be here. Yeah. It's right. I don't think his song's gonna be in the top ten personally, but he believes that and that's the exact attitude he needs to take into it. Otherwise, yeah, why be here? If you 
don't believe in yourself, absolutely, you're going to Otherwise, stop, gonna it's not, okay, there, there is no chance that you will be. Exactly. Yeah. If you don't believe in yourself, why should anybody else? It's, it's not yeah. Yeah. So. And if we're going back to Israel, I think this is why <laughs> he could do it and qualify. Because he believes in himself. Yeah. In himself. <laughs> in himself. And in, yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He has that confidence. So. Yeah, I think that's a, a lesson all the artists are learning this year. I could learn so much from him. He's just, yeah, he is all positivity turned up to well, then, maximum maybe if it doesn't work, Maybe if he doesn't qualify and it doesn't work out for him musically, he can put a motivational speaker or something like that. I could really? certainly see that journey for him. He, he feels like the kind of guy, though, even if he came dead last, yeah. and he won't. He'll, no. he'll totally bounce back from that. Sure. Yeah. Whereas somebody who came in 11th in their semi and didn't qualify is... Might be destroyed, yeah. Just be distraught for the rest of their life. Yeah. Please don't do that. No. You, you, you could still make music, it's fine. It's, a, it's only a game show at the end of the yeah. day. So. Anyway, so on a more positive note, of what you've seen so far, what's been your highlight so far of the rehearsals of Turin? Just in general? Anything, any I mean, positives that come to mind? Rehearsals. Come to mind. I'm, just, I'm just doing this, yes, meeting you guys again. Uh, <laughs> it's just being back here, isn't it? Dream come true. It's so good, isn't it? I, I, it I really took a moment the other day to think it's been three years because, you know, in Tel Aviv, most, I was in Tel Aviv, most of us were in Tel Aviv, and that was the last, like, quote unquote normal, mm. you know, before the COVID hit. Obviously, there was no contest 2020. 2021, I couldn't make it to Rotterdam. Very few people did make it to Rotterdam yeah. from the press, I would say. I, I was there. And it was, you made it then? Yes, oh, I one did. One of the few, wow. Yeah, one of the few, I know. We were only four journalists from Israel, and two of us lives in Berlin. <laughs> Fair enough. So, we just two Israelis that could come. Uh, it was it was a very strange contest because I you could be you you felt that you are the closest to the artist mm -hmm. but on the other hand so unreachable yeah because you know there was a, a big chant uh, of a cover test mm -hmm. every 48 hours everyone should do that you know singers photographers cleaners uh, volunteers press of course and after you took the test you were sitting in a hole with the chairs in one and a half meter between them and waiting for the results and when you were sitting there, I was sitting there waiting for my result, and I saw here in front of me uh, uh, Barbara Bravi, and uh, there I saw the German guy, and over there I saw uh, the group from Ukraine, and you know, and we were talking between us, but from far, mm. but it's the closest that I was with the artist ever, and the most unreachable ever. It was so strange. Interesting vibes, but yeah, it's it's good to be back. It's certainly good to be back. It, you know, things we're still we're still being tested every seventy two hours. We're being tested here, and the Italian people are being very responsible about the the mask situation. It's mostly, mostly, mostly. Yeah. mostly. It's, um, yeah, so you know, we're not quite out of the woods yet, but it is very, very good to be back. Other than being back here, what's your highlights so far? Well. Um my personal songs are actually from uh, 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 the Big Five, so I, I cannot say that yet. I don't think Ukraine will win it. Really? Yeah. Huh. I don't think so. I think they will get the top score from the Telegraph. Yeah. But 
I don't know if it's going to be enough, you know. It was enough for Neta and it was enough for Monskin, but it wasn't enough for Sergei, Keino and uh, Ilvolo. So you need to think about that. Uh, the song is not that special uh, and without the situation in Ukraine, there is no chance that would be uh, a winning style. So I don't know, I, I, I'm pretty sure that it's going to be in the, in the top three, mm. alongside with uh, uh, Italy and maybe the United Kingdom. Uh, what but, a dream. <laughs> but I, I need to see that, uh, their rehearsals, uh, and then said, because this week, this year is, uh, we don't have songs that smells winning. <laughs> I don't know about that. There's a couple I feel like are a winning song. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're necessarily the winning song. Which one's for you? Uh, Greece really blew me away the other day. I was genuinely shocked at how just gorgeous that one was. And maybe not a winning song, but it felt just so good. It's very effectively staged yeah. and shot. Yeah. And she sounded amazing. Um, it's kind of holding out for Italy, but I feel like Italy's got a lot going for it. Yeah. And everyone speculates they could do two in a row, which we haven't seen in 30 years. So, I don't know, it, it's going to be a surprise regardless. I agree. I, the interesting thing with Ukraine is I've, had a, I've heard a lot of people, like both you know, here and also people at home and friends and people who casually watch say, oh, well, Ukraine will win because they'll get the the quote-unquote sympathy vote, you know, not to, not to, you know, not to minimise it, but they will get that grounds of support. I've a lot of people say, oh yes, people will vote for Ukraine, but I've not heard anyone say, I will vote for Ukraine. Oh, interesting. So I wonder, I wonder if on the night, at the end of 26 songs, are you going to pick up the phone and vote for Ukraine because you want to show them some support, or are you going to pick up the phone for your favourite song? Assuming everyone else is voting for Ukraine. Assume, exactly. So I don't doubt that Ukraine will get a, a big reaction and mm. a big televote, but I do wonder if it's going to be quite the runaway televote favourite that people think it is, if another song stands out more as a performance. I think it was a strong song going in, mm. even before the incidents. Yeah. Um, it, winning would be a, kind of a moral victory for them in a lot of ways. Sure. I think there's a lot of value in, in them winning regardless. And there's that question of, you know, are people going to show up? Is the jury going to support it? It does not. It doesn't seem like a very jury-friendly song. Then again, it would be the first time in 42 years that the Eurovision Song Contest will be in the, in the next year in the whole country that is it's not the winner of last year. But at the same time, we've seen before countries that have been, well, even... The last time Plus it happened Ukraine was when, when Israel won in 1979. Yeah, Ukraine in 2016. Uh, there was the Crimea thing from 2014 that sort of carried in. Yeah, but I feel I, like I, there's. I, I, I'm, okay, yeah. they won in 16, but they hosted it in 17. Yeah, oh, you mean that didn't host that? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I mean just winning by virtue of world events. Sure, sure, sure. Um, but again, Jamala didn't win the televote. Yeah, she didn't. She didn't, so. But she didn't win the jury either. No, she was second. So sometimes that's enough. Yeah. Worked for Duncan. Well, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I think uh, Ukraine obviously can't be discounted at all. I think Italy obviously have such a huge hit in, in this part of Europe in particular, mm. and you know a lot of people remember that mood. Um, Greece certainly sees the coming up. I'm interested to see whether Greece can overshadow Sweden 
because they have a very similar, you know, female fronted alternative pop ballad vibe. Interested to see which of those two comes out on top. Are we going to get into this now? Well, I mean, we're already running running long. This could be a separate debate. This could be a separate debate. Yeah, well, we'll bring that to another episode, the the Great Sweden versus Greece battle, but I feel like they were both... I think they've both got... Well, Sweden will be fifth, like, every year. Maybe maybe they will, yeah. Maybe the standard Swedish, 200 jury votes, 78 televotes. We'll we'll see, we'll see. That's the excitement. I think think the question it's really going to come down to is, are people going to want something we have this weird disparity between styles something more bright and colorful and positive or something kind of more moody and introspective because it's a moody and, intros- and introspective year yes uh, there's there so very many few, of those yeah there are so few like bright colorful tempo pop songs and the big bright colorful tempo pop songs generally aren't considered favorite stuff i think spain are like fourth in the odds but i can't really i can't see spain winning personally but I can I can see Spain in other than last place. Really? Yeah. Really? That bad? Yeah. I mean, I think when people ask me who's going to be last in the Eurovision final of 2022, I said Spain. Well, that would be extraordinarily bad luck for them. That's harsh, man. Yeah. <laughs> sending something good here. It's like no, no. It's it's rubbish, and we saw that kind of stuff. And I, I remember the hype that was uh, with Belgium in 2004. Mm. Oh, Zandi, yeah. And she was second last mm. or True. third last. Well, she was. She she failed also because um, she was up against Ruslana, who was doing a very similar kind of performance, but much better. You know, they both had that like, kind of, you know, that Xena Warrior Princess kind of thing going on. And Ruslana was ten times more dynamic than uh, the Belgian singer was, unfortunately. But I just wonder, where's this year's Ruslana? If not Spain, which up-tempo pop song is going to pull ahead of the crowd? Because it's a lot of ballads and a lot of mid-tempos. I mean, if we're doing a follow-up to a rock song victory, Serbia is uh, getting a lot of positive attention. I would love that. I would a heavy, love... thinky song. Mm. <laughs> and they want it. Serbia are making no bones out it. They're ready to win again. Yeah. It's, been, it's been a while for them, and they're ready to do it again. So that would be something. That would certainly be a, an on-brand song to win in 2021, I think, in many ways. So just talking about healthcare too. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. it's healthcare and anxiety. And, yeah, and so. it's weird. I think it has a message. It does. There's a lot going for it. It doesn't seem like a song that would win, but like sitting in the press conference today, everyone had questions. There were more people in the room than I've seen at most other press conferences. There's interest, and people are going to go to the internet and look it up and be like, what's going on with this song? And I've got some subtitles, which I think is going to help too, but it's... Yeah, it's such a, that's another highlight. That's just such a bizarre entry, and I don't know what people are going to do about it. Mm-hmm. But man, oh man, if that was like top five for some reason, I'd be that like, yep, yeah, that makes that sense. That would be great, yeah. Well, I think we've, we've established that it's not quite as open and short as some people think it's going to be. I think this year could go a lot of ways. And we will be here to the bitter end, looking over it, analyzing it, overanalyzing it, making our wild predictions, many of which will be completely wrong, but some might be right. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. So, Derek, mm. where will our listeners be able to find you? Where, where are you primarily hanging out on the internet over these next two weeks? Yeah, we're going to be uh, doing a lot of podcasting at 12 Points from America. Mm-hmm. So check us out at Twitter, 12 Points USA. And um, a lot of content there. should be fun. Fantastic. And Leon, where can our listeners find you? Who are you working for? I'm Apple. 
Mako Music. Okay. Fantastic. Mako C O I N. And that's the, an Israeli website, right? Yeah, in Hebrew. In Hebrew, so good luck. <laughs> we may well have some Hebrew speaking fans who might want to check you out. So. Okay. So, or Google Translate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, thank you both very much. And of course, uh, you can hear plenty more from us here at ESC Insight, including regular podcasting and plenty of articles as well coming your way over the next few weeks from myself and my fellow uh, members of the team. So, uh, thank you very much. All that's left to say, thank you. Thank you, Derek. Thank you, Leon. Thank you for having and, us. Um, Leon, do you want to uh, send us out with some guitars? Bring on the guitars. Uh,